it's our show, Christy. We can do whatever we want. Let's show them how to do life. Oh, boy. Here it comes. It's like pandemonium, Heather. Okay, so I was thinking. She said what? I think I got it figured out. This is how this to do is life. how to do life. <laughs> I was born for this. I was born for this. I have seen the light. Hey, pretties, it's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And here's producer John. To hype the crowd. Just a quick warning. How to do life with Chrissy and Heather contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and other nonsense and whatnot. If you are adverse to any of these ingredients, this show may not be for you. So be sure to talk to your doctor and all your friends about how to do life. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, Heather. Today, I don't know if I feel like I was born for this. Today, <laughs> this week is a little haphazard, and mm. we're we're here though. I just today, I wanted to just have a conversation with my friend yeah. as we sit behind microphones. Okay, which is, I guess, what we usually do. It's not that much <laughs> different, right? I'm gonna kick us right off. Now here's part of the show where Chrissy and Heather tell us what to do. Well, might I recommend... Might I recommend to our listeners a new upcoming podcast. (laughs) Yes. That's going to be fabulous. There is a new show starting. Heather and I, being the brand managing geniuses that we are. You mean the multimedia moguls? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Uh, Heather and I are starting some new projects, friends. Mm -hmm. And it's an exciting day to unveil those new projects and talk to you about them. Heather and I are each going to be doing our own shows in addition to the beautiful, beautiful, fabulous, fun How to Do Life show that we are listening to right now. We are going to have some new things that... um, It all really started with the lovely and talented Lydia who came to do our new look. Mm-hmm. We were taking some pictures for the hot and leather look that we have going on now. And as we took the hot and leather photo shoot. Which we did not intend to be hot in leather. It just turned out that way. (laughs) No, I didn't at all. And I told you, I'm I'm not even a huge fan of. We were in a funk that day. And it showed in the photos, in my opinion. But whatever. But as Lydia was um, standing there with us, she said, so what are you guys all about? And... (laughs) And that opened the Pandora's box. Well, what was great about it is, like, season one, we really spent season one getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. And that whole season was really about, you know, our first episode was, who the hell are you? Right. Remember? Who the hell are you? And I felt like when she was asking us as we were preparing for season two, it was, who the hell are you together? Mm-hmm. You know, and not just, you know, because now we've worked together for Six months, but it feels like a long time. <laughs> it feels like, feels a, like a long time. A lot has happened in six months. But Miss Lydia said, so what are you guys about? And you answered about me. Right. You said, <laughs> well, Chrissy's more into, like, she talks about relationships and sexuality and society and those kind of things. And that's really what she's into. And then I answered about you. <laughs> and I said, Heather's really into health and wellness and, you know, the way things work. And we kind of answered for each other, and it made me start to think. It made the wheel start to spin Mm -hmm. and go, well, we get to explore a lot of really fun things on this show together, Mm -hmm. but it would be fun to dive into some of those things that are our real passions in a different venue, too. So our dear friend, Hot Brian came in to do the last episode of season one, the 50th episode. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he flipped on his microphone and I heard his voice, I thought, I want to do a show with Hot Brian. And Hot Brian and I are doing a new show. It will come out Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. because I read that Tuesday mornings at 5 a.m. is a good day (laughs) for your podcast to go live. Um, so Tuesdays, this show will be available. It's called Not Quite Therapy. Mm-hmm. It's a how-to-do life show. It is part of this brand. Um, and it's going to be about dating and about divorce and about parenting. And we're going to talk about, and really it's going to be about how dating and parenting flow with divorce. I think it's going to be a very different show than How to Do Life. I think it's going to be super awkward um, sometimes. (laughs) Um, It's going to be 
it's going to push the envelope a little bit, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do it. And I will tell you, I, I think I texted you the other day, Heather, and said, working with uh, PJ and Brian is different than working with you. <laughs> Because I'm awesome. Um, they're awesome too, <laughs> but there's a lot more. There's, you know, we're used to the very estrogen friendly show. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of testosterone. Like the initial, like, hey, we need to have the creative meeting to get a few things done, spiraled very quickly into <laughs> a lot of sexual innuendo and a lot of um, a, a lot of fun things. And I'm very excited about this show, and I'm very excited about getting to record it with the two of them. I'm very excited about having you on as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian and I, the jaded divorcees, and then we're going to have you come on as our, <laughs> like, marriage is actually great. <laughs> y'all, don't, y'all don't get it. It's awesome. It's good. It's really good, for real. <laughs> Just because you guys both had really crappy experiences. It's not, you know... It, it can work. It can be good. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, our first episode is going to kind of look into how we grew up and, you know, what we thought of divorce as kids, you know, whether we came from divorced mm, families, you know, um, kind of those kind of things. The second episode, we'll start to get into our own marriages and histories and how we found ourselves at this place and how we made those decisions and whether, I mean, I think everybody who's divorced would say that was the right decision for me, but you have to really map through, is it the right decision for my children too? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's complicated. I, I think we're going to get into some really deep and interesting and sometimes awkward and um, troubling things. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think anybody who is divorced will like it. Anybody who is dating will like it. And anybody who is a parent will like it. And if you hit the trifecta (laughs) of all those things, you're going to really like it. All right. And you have a new show upcoming, too. Do you want to keep it a secret, or do you want to unveil what, what's going to happen? I'm going to keep it a secret for now. I think that's good. Heather's won't start up. Heather's show won't start until July. Mm-hmm. So we've got some time. She's keeping it under wraps. Mm-hmm. So we have something to some look forward to. I've got some ideas brewing around. I'm, yeah. I haven't quite settled on a couple of details, so I'm going to keep it under wraps. I can't wait for your show. Like, with the creative that we've talked through so far, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be so much fun. So, yeah, Heather and I will run these shows, like, uh, Brian and I, a season will be 12 episodes, about 12 weeks, and then we'll go off air for 12 weeks while Heather runs her show, and our seasons will look like that, and they'll mm-hmm. all be part of the How to Do brand, mm-hmm. and it's going to be fantastic, friends. Yeah, you're excited. Yes. So, might I recommend that you listen to that show <laughs> as well, which will go live on Tuesday, and we'll post some stuff about wait. it. I can't wait either. I can't wait. Like, by the time they hear this episode, we will have recorded the first episode mm-hmm. and really know how it's going. Um, the planning meeting will, you know, like, we've done some precursor stuff, but it's going to be really fun to see how Yay. it comes together. Well, Heather, I um, really wanted to come to you today with good news. And I really wanted to, I feel like we've just been so up and down and, yeah. you know, the the sadness of the graduations and the, you know, so I just wanted to come today with some good news. And I wanted to also ask you, like, what was the most fun meme or the best thing that you've seen recently? Like, what what's something that makes you happy that, that's been a little bit fun that you've seen recently? I really love I almost always will take a screenshot and try to save the things that I do that too so this is one you have to kind of see it but it cracked me up and I we saved can put it, it in this the show morning. in the show notes if you want so it's a Girl Scout it's a it's a it's a meme of a Girl Scout talking to Wednesday Adams okay okay and the Girl Scout says would you like to buy a homemade face mask and Wednesday Adams says are they made from real faces <laughs> That's That's pretty terrible. I saw one that alluded to the Girl Scouts too. Hold on. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was from the state of Ohio, Mm -hmm. and it says Ohio six months ago. You may now purchase one case of beer directly from a brewery. Ohio now. Want to buy a gallon of tequila from a Girl Scout table outside McDonald's? (laughs) We don't give a shit. The world's ending. (laughs) I liked that one. 
Uh, I also saw another one. Actually, this was my same friend. I should reach out to this friend who lives up in Ohio because he and his wife have posted some of the funniest things <laughs> that have really kept my spirits up. This one said, if you want to save money at Christmas, now is the perfect time to tell the kids that Santa didn't make it through the pandemic. <laughs> You know, that could be true for the elf. That could, yes. I know you hate your elf. I don't like so that elf. You hate your elf. I thought that was great. Um, I also, have you seen John Krasinski's Some Good yes. News? Mm-hmm. I would definitely, another thing that I would recommend today, I would recommend that if people aren't watching that or you haven't seen yet, it's just so sweet and so uplifting. It does make me cry a little bit, but it's really, really good. I watched the first episode and then I... Um, it kind of was longer than I expected. It is kind of long. Yeah. And so I, I I wouldn't say I lost interest, but I just didn't really have any more time. What I think is interesting, because I like to watch things from a branding and marketing perspective, I really mm-hmm. believe that he just kind of did this. Like, you know, the world's kind of weird right now, and I want to do this. And now he's got, like, sponsorships and right. stuff. And of AT&T is giving stuff away. And, like, I mean, it... Way to go, John Krasinski. Yeah. You know, way, to, way to work it. Way to yeah. work it. Yeah. I saw that, too. And I kind of had, like, a jaded response to that. Because I was like, can't we just do anything that's just organic and anymore? Or does everything have to be now, like, capitalized on? But he's not capitalizing on it. Like, and I, I kind of no. like that. Like, he's giving stuff away. Like, AT&T offered free... Um, cell phone for x number of months to nurses and you know that's nice you know i thought that you know i feel like what he's doing is it it is great exposure for for people who already have a ton of exposure like the one that came out yesterday um he had oprah on as Mm -hmm. a guest and she was talking to a graduate um and you could tell that it just meant everything to this graduate to get to do a zoom directly with oprah you know and I don't know. I think that it's really sweet. And I like it too. I like that he's doing the work of finding the good news for us, you mm-hmm. know, and showing us some really beautiful things yeah. that are happening, you know, in and this strange so time. And that's so important right now because there is a lot of good things going mm-hmm. on. There really is. Um, I wanted to bring something up that might be, I guess, I guess it's just a question. I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. So it's no big deal, right? I haven't even decided how I feel about it yet. Please don't hate me. It's just a question. It's just a question. So it could be slightly contentious. I'm not sure. But have you read about these PPP loans? I can't remember what the PPP stands for. But this is the government loans for the businesses. Um, Is it the the payroll payroll protection yeah, plan. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Something. And anyways, these loans mm-hmm. got snapped up really quickly. Yep. I read some articles about places like um, Ruth Chris. Uh-huh. Ruth Chris uh, got a big PPP loan, and they got a lot of backlash mm-hmm. for being a large corporation and accepting this loan, um, so much so that they gave it back. Yeah. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I guess it depends how they were going to use it. I mean, it is, it's supposed to go to their employees. And while Ruth's Chris is a big company, if it's being used correctly, it's being used for servers and chefs who can't make the money that they would normally make right now. Um... I think there's a lot of question about what the appropriateness is of it. I thought it'd be fun to talk about, and I thought it'd be extra fun to talk about because, as you know, I consult with several uh, large companies, you know, and I I get an opportunity to weigh in on important issues and important questions. And one company that I consult with received a PPP loan and was asking, like, should we take this and should we use it? Because they do have – like it's a it's a fairly well established company. It's not like a you know a local restaurant that you know is a mom trying and pop. to keep yeah not you know it's a they have access to funding sources. And so my biggest question to them was, could you secure the money elsewhere? Mm-hmm. And the answer was technically 
probably yes, but the people who we usually get money from have no obligation to continue to give us money. Like the term of that money is up, right? Uh They could choose to let us fail. They could say, we don't want to give you money in this COVID crisis. We feel like our money is safer just sitting here than investing in a business. So, no, we don't really – like, although we have friends with lots of money, we as a company have no – What's the word? Um, Not access, but no, uh, there's no like contract in place that we should get that money. There's no guarantee that that money would come to us. We applied for this. We were granted this. And now how should we use this or should we use this? Yeah. You know, and I really I I want I want to know what you think. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this, too, because I've seen arguments on all different sides And I got some flack on social media near the beginning of the um, the shutdown, like when businesses were being shut down. And it it, it was the same kind of thing where it was like, it's just a question. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. really curiously just asking, I wonder what will happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that my comments were interpreted by some to be critical of business owners. When really it was just a question. Mm-hmm. And what I asked was, and it was the kind of a sarcastically worded pondering <laughs> of, <you>. um, <laughs> <laughs> of um, oh shoot, how did, exactly did I say it? It was something like, I wonder, how, I wonder how ironic it will be when the capitalists line up for their check instead of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps oh mm -hmm. and i almost didn't hit post (laughs) because i thought you know that's kind of snarky and i try to keep my page positive Mm -hmm. but i also was very curious like i was at the beginning stages of the government is telling you you must stop doing your business Mm -hmm. okay and i can only assume that that means for like if i had a business for example like if i had a restaurant Okay, mm-hmm. and the government is telling me, or like, let's say a dental office, okay, because they were told, you must close until May 6th. You cannot open till May 6th. Mm-hmm. If I had a dental office and the government said, you are, you are not permitted to do business, but I still have a mortgage, I still have utilities, I still have a payroll, I still have, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the, the overhead is for having a dental office. Mm-hmm. And so I would want to know, okay, well, what are you going to what do you expect me to do about my bills mm-hmm. if you're if you are not allowing me to bring in income then you need to give me some type of relief on these bills that i have and i know that some companies have been given relief where like they are not right. allowed to be evicted you know they're they're given forgiveness on utilities and things like that and that's what the payroll protection plan loans in my mind were intended for right but then I also know that there's going to be a category of business owners who have been critical of small businesses in the past and said, your problem is not my problem. You you know, I made this by myself. You can make yours by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. You know, every man for himself. That, you know, just kind of that perspective. Mm hmm. And I just had the question. I wonder how wrong it, how ironic it's going to be when those people get in line mm-hmm. for their stimulus check instead of taking their advice to the small yeah. jobs of I built this by myself. You can build yours by yourself, too. I just I'm just saying I just wonder. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. And so, yeah, I have seen it from the perspective of the money is of, if, if the money is being used for its intended purpose then, you know, that's one thing. Um, But then also I know that I've seen other small business owners who truly are, well, I guess I'll say this first. Just because a company is big and successful does not mean it has a lot of cash. Well, and to me, Heather, that was part of it. So what my advice ended up being to this company was you secured this loan 
because you are so smart and so savvy, because you saddled up first and you got in line and you, you know, you because you are such smart leaders is why you got this money. And it is not my job to have determined whether or not you got this money. Like, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I get to say, somebody said, yes, we will give you this. Now, my advice to you is just show them that you really needed it. Yeah. You know, and like that is that is the job that the company is tasked with now is to say, we made good use of this. We did use this for survival, you know, and we don't know if we would have survived in the same way, you know, and been able to, you know, keep employees on board and do things that help those employees do what they're doing if we hadn't had this money. And you need to verify that. Your job, my job is not to decide whether you should have gotten it. Right. And I would like... It's a moot point. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, I don't get to debate that. I get to debate whether or not you need it and, you know, how, how we're going to implement it in a healthy way that does what it's intended to do and keeps those employees where we need them to be. If it was going to like CEO salary, that would be a problem. Right. You know, but it's not. And Is it? Well, exactly. Like, I I will say that they have, like, the government has said we're going to audit anybody who gets more than this amount of money, you know, and and I hope that they do. And and it's also important to note that these aren't necessarily going to be forgiven. You know what I mean? Right. They may have to be paid back. It's going to be a super low interest rate. It's going to be a hell of a loan, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the question from the company was, you know, can we justify what we have been given. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the end of the day, it was pretty much a yes. But I say it with an asterisk because there are other companies that don't have the same resource network, you know, that it just became a big question for me. And like I said, they're so smart. And that's why they have it because they're smart, they're savvy, they're connected, they did everything right. These are the businesses that survive. And I don't want to punish them for being smart. And good, but I also hate, you know, watching a restaurant proprietor, you know, who just owns one little restaurant and the funds are all gone because they were snapped up so quick by the super smart, savvy people. Well, you know, we talked earlier about survival of the fittest, you know, in in a previous episode Mm -hmm. about, you know, this, these types of, of economic environments are also survival of the fit fittest and you, you going into business you know we're both business owners mm-hmm. there are no guarantees of anything mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that anybody is going to buy your product or service there's no guarantee that that it's going to work at all and so you take on that risk mm-hmm. and so nobody is guaranteed money from the government for anything right and I do believe that this is a time when some businesses are going to thrive, some businesses are going to fail, some are going to overcome the odds and and have an amazing second wind, and and some are going to not play fair. You know, that's all going to happen, and it's part of business. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that those who who were late to the to the application process weren't smart i could i could i think that if you have a number i don't want to characterize it like that i hope it doesn't sound that way well because sometimes in a big business you've got lots of people on the team yeah to be able to fill out those applications and do those things and research that program right and And if you're a one person or a two person or a family-owned business you know you're just scrambling trying to stay keep your head above water Mm -hmm. is that part of survival of the fittest there's an element of that but i also think that it doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't smart and savvy. It just means that they were putting out different fires right. and they didn't have as many people to send ahead to and fill out the application. that's why it's hard to say, you know, like I said, that's why I had to put that asterisk yeah. there because I'm like, gosh, you know, like I would really like to see funds go to, you know, my local friends who need that too, you know, and I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mean to get all heavy, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad though, because it, it I have thought about that too, and I, I've, I've thought about, okay, so like if, 
if I think that what it really is going to come down to, and this is maybe it's not fair that this is what I think is going to come down to this, but I think that with companies who are questioning, do we deserve this money? Should we have gotten this money? Should we keep it or should we spend it? Even if we've technically followed the rules, we're spending it on the correct thing. Yes, it's totally fair. Should we? I think that's going to be a personal judgment call. And I think that they have to ask, are we willing to defend ourselves in public on social media? Because the transparency that we have right now is such that if if you make a decision, even if you're justified, even if you're justified, are you are you prepared to defend your decision in front of everybody? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, and I think that this particular company, they are doing a beautiful job of following the rules. You know, they are calling in consultants like me, you know, they're calling in um, separate meetings, you know, of the people who are in charge of their company specifically to discuss and document this, to talk through that level of need, to talk through, you know, like, okay, if we... If we didn't have this, we couldn't pay our rent. And that, you know, like a whole trickle-down situation, you know, where if we don't pay our rent or if we put that on hold for this amount of time, then that hurts the people that we rent from, you know. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do this, then these employees, we have to let, you know, this many more go. I think that it's well thought out and well Mm -hmm. documented. And I, I I was proud of them and proud of their response, you know. But, like, it's one of those questions where, we only can do what we can do. Yeah. And sometimes we feel like it's not enough, you know, and I, Always. I, I mean, often we feel like it's not enough. Well, I think some of the knee jerk reaction that I've seen is that people assume that a big company must have loads of cash sitting around. Mm-hmm. And that's not hardly ever the case mm-hmm. from my experience. And so I think people see Ruth's Chris or they see the Lakers or they see, you know, huge companies that are like, they don't need that money. They've got tons of money. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if you look at a company's balance sheet, you know, just because they've got a lot going on doesn't mean that they've got a bunch of cash that they can pull to pay their mm-hmm. employees. And I know that a lot of the companies that, like, I run in the world of private equity, and a lot of those companies post losses, major, major losses, year after year after year, as they grow to mm-hmm. ramp it up to right. make it into a big company, you yeah. know, so they're funded through these venues, you know, that are taking a big calculated risk on, we think this will be successful enough that we'll be able to sell it in a few years. And it's a fun world to run in. It really is. I never thought, you know, as a young woman that I would <laughs> live within the yeah. realms of this world, you know, like, and I will say that when I, you know, like when I was called to, you know, answer these questions, I ended up hanging up the call and then calling one of the guys directly and being like, hey, I didn't want to ask this in front of the whole group because it might be a little naivete, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But um, is that how you say that word? That's all right. Naive. 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 Yeah, it's a little, yeah. Na- yeah. Yes. It shows my... It shows your naivete. Yes, very much. Naivete. Naivete. I don't know. Let's just keep saying that word. And okay. That's Let's make it, it a word. That's now how, it's a word. Yeah. No. Yeah, now it's a word. Um, it's a word that I read and don't mm-hmm. say very often. Um, so, yeah. But, and I was like, so I have a couple questions about blah, 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 blah. And I start asking, and it was questions that I felt were silly and were because I am, I mean, I've been doing this for five years, but five years is not a really long time to live right. in a world like this that's so different than my normal day-to-day world. And I started asking these questions, and I was pleased that the person that I was speaking to was like, you know what? The questions you're asking are the questions that we sat down and talked through lawyers with and talked through, mm-hmm. you know, all these different um, venues with. They're good questions. You know? And for me, it was I want to learn and it was and I want to be smart, you know, but I, I want to understand better. I don't want to give advice and I don't want to say, yes, do this or no, don't do this. And me not have a quality understanding of all the working parts. Right. You know? So I think that it. It really takes a lot of balls to get up and ask questions that might not go with the consensus of the rest of the group, you know. Right. But that's the only way that we get to a that's, quality decision. That's your role. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, we'll see it play out online and people are going to have you know, their comments. But I, I hope that um, intelligent and 
um, moderately minded people will remember that, you know, it's never as simple as it seems. And, you know, jumping to conclusions about who has how much money um, is not something that I want to get into the habit of doing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought we'd go there for a minute. That's fun. It's a good question. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun. And, you know, it got a little heavy, you know, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just think about things and get a little, you know, get a little bit there. It's just a question. It's just a question. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we talked a little bit on our last episode about the graduations and we talked about how we're trying to find joy in um in loss like even though there's loss happening you know like we're trying to find it as joyful as we can even though we're not getting to experience it the way that we did um i don't want to dig into it deep but i'm going to post a story that i wrote a long time ago mother's day is coming up Mm -hmm. and mother's day is a lovely day to celebrate and it's a hurtful day for some people. Yeah. And for right now in the pandemic, I feel like we're experiencing loss of things that are supposed to be joyful <laughs> on a more global scale. Yeah. And so I think that it's a good opportunity for some of those people who maybe don't have mothers mm-hmm. to also, you know, feel a little more understood. I'm going to post an article about if your mother is not with you on Mother's Day, some things that you can do to honor her and to, um, you know, continue to find the silver lining. I think we're always looking for a silver lining. I feel like in the pandemic, sometimes it's getting hard. Yes. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're like, gosh, you know, like I, I'm happy that I'm healthy and that everything's okay, but I also am experiencing a lot of loss. And I think that um, before this episode started, you and I had a brief conversation where I used the phrase survivor's guilt. Yes. And I think we're a little bit there right now with, you know, things are reopening. We're starting to go out. Most of us are fairly healthy. We're still not getting to do some of the things that we want to do. We aren't sure if we should be out because there are people who Mm -hmm. are sick. And I think that, you know, I just want everybody to be aware that we're all in this together. We're all mindful of that, you know, and do a little reading on, you know, these feelings that we have being valid because they really are. They are valid. They are. It's a time for us to be gentle with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and each other. And each other. And we're getting to the point where we're not being as gentle with each other as perhaps we were in the beginning. We're starting to judge each other. And and I mean, I think that we're just. I would say we're justified in doing it, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I'm surprised that that's happening. No, because we've been uh, we've been doing this for a, a while now, mm-hmm. and everybody has their limits, right? You know, and it's just everybody's fed up with this. So I'm just going to post it. I'm not going to like talk about what the article's about or anything, but I will say that I I wrote it um, a year or two ago. What I like about it is I'm a much better writer now. It's always fun to watch yourself progress. Like, it's a good oh my article. Gosh, yes. Yeah. But it's really fun to watch yourself progress, you know? Um, the article is titled Dead Moms Club. Oh. It's an attention grabber, though. It'll get people in, you know? So um, read that uh, and be mindful. You know, Mother's Day is this weekend. We're right here in it. And, uh, you know, uh, be gentle with your friends who, you know, don't have a mother to celebrate. Just be gentle with each other, you know. Can I ask you a question about something you just said? Sure. I heard you say, I don't have a mother. And I wonder, do you feel like you, I, in my perspective, you still have a mother. You always will have a mother, but she's not here on yes. this planet. Yes, I always will have a mother. Like I had a great mother. I had a mother who um, made me Mm -hmm. You are. You know? Um, So, but I don't have a mother that I can still continue to learn from. Like, my daughter got really upset uh, earlier in the week with saying, I wish I had known your grandmas. I wish I had known, you know, my great grandmas. I wish I had gotten more time with my mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. My daughter asked a really insightful question. She said, um, I was telling her, I was like, I really miss grandma. I really miss, you know, my mom right now. And she said, do you think when grandma um, had lost her mom 
and you were still celebrating her, you know, the way that I'm still celebrating you. How do you think grandma felt? Like, oh, it, wow. which I thought was a super insightful question. You know, she's like, how do you think it felt to be, you know, your mom? And what's, what's extra interesting for my mom is her mom died on Mother's Day. My grandma <gasps> died on Mother's Day. Oh. So it was a double whammy for wow. her. You know, like my mom really didn't enjoy Mother's Day anymore. Wow. You know? And it is hard as a mother to enjoy the day as well when you can't celebrate your own mother anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it, it does change the tone of the day, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think it's, you know, just be gentle. Be gentle yeah. with um, with the people out there you know, male and female who don't have someone to celebrate, don't have someone to call that day. Yeah. And read that article for some tips of mm-hmm. how to still celebrate even if you're sad. Because I think we need that right now. And hopefully the tips you can extrapolate beyond Mother's Day. It's, you know, how to see the silver lining and how to celebrate if you, even if you're a little bit sad. So, And, and hopefully how to, to not feel guilty about the fact that you're celebrating. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that we have a lot of that right now. You yeah. Know, of, um, in fact, I'm doing a. Um, I was writing a piece about family wellness in this time of quarantine, and one of the elements um, that I was encouraging to um, to keep in place is fun. You know, fu- and having times of fun with your family, and even though it might feel like it is not fair that you're having fun while doctors and nurses are right. working their That's tails that survivor's off. survivor's guilt thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and here I am, you know, laughing and joking while so many other people around me are are really not having any fun. Um, you know, but the, the health benefits of those of us who can be, have a lighter load um, it frees up our emotional bandwidth to be able to really help those who have a heavier load. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if we can keep ourselves lighter, our shoulders lighter, and, and have a little bit more levity, then that makes it easier for us to to help carry that with them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I hope so. Anyway. Oh man, I'm sorry that we got Whew, so much heavier man. today than the, you gotta shake it out. It's Friday. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be light. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell one more story. We're going to talk about one more thing. Okay. Let's reach into the... Uh, what What did they come up with now? Ew! Not that Let's one. see what's in the grab bag. I think I've got it. A picture popped up on my Facebook memories. Yes. That I uh, am going to put into the show notes that we'll okay. share on our page, too. It's kind of fun. Um, five years ago, there was uh, me at the Kentucky Derby in the Kentucky Oaks. And I don't even know if they did them this year. I don't think so. I don't even, like, I feel like if it would have happened, I would have known. I think there was something virtual. A virtual I run. don't know. Maybe it was all, I mean, like, off-track betting or something. They could have set the horses loose without people <laughs> in Churchill Downs. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what happened. And I, I should have done a Chrissy's Cursory Google search on, yeah. on uh, talking about the Derby. But the Derby, uh, five years ago, I was there, and a picture popped up, um, and I was wearing a hat that I happened to be wearing over the weekend on the same day, five years later. And so I split-screened these images side by side, and my weight and my physical health were very, very different mm-hmm. uh, five years ago versus this photo and I posted them and said something like um you know five years ago same hat nothing else the same inside (laughs) or out you know like inside or out nothing else the same and it prompted me like a lot of times when I post things like that which I don't do very often but Mm -hmm. once in a while I'll do like a split screen and I'll remind people that I used to be really heavy and I get a lot of questions Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like how did you lose all that weight And I thought, I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but I thought it would be fun to come on and tell people today that I'm not some magical creature, some unicorn, you know, like I had a lot of help. I had a lot of help from medicine. I had a lot of help from science. I had a lot of help from, you know, support network friends. You know, I had to change my brain. I had to change a lot of things. And I had like I said, the assistance of medicine, I had a weight loss surgery. And I think it's important that people know that because I think sometimes I will have friends who 
message me and say, I wish I could lose weight. I, I don't know how you did it. You know, you must have such strong willpower. You must have, and, and I do, and it was still a lot of work, but I also had tools and I had the means to get those tools, mm-hmm. you know, um, back in 2016, I had a surgery called gastric sleeve surgery. Are you familiar with what that surgery is, Heather? Yes. Okay. Um, can you give a little rundown of like what the surgery is or do you want me to do it? You can go ahead. All right. So basically your stomach is a pouch where, you know, your food goes in, it goes down the esophagus, it goes into the stomach, it sits, it churns, it processes, and then it heads into your intestines and, you know, your liver and all that stuff. And it's a pouch where it can kind of sit and kind of get worked around. And there's enzymes and juices and, you know, things that break it down in there. And gastric sleeve surgery, they make that pouch much, much smaller, like the size of a banana. Like, it's just kind of a... Go ahead. I think of it as being like a purse that turns into like a little coin purse. Yes. That's a, actually a great... <laughs> it's like a yeah. mom bag and uh-huh. then it turns into a, like a wallet. Yes. <laughs> and part of the research and the science shows that it's not just about space. Um, and the more surgeries we do like this and the more we learn about patients like myself, um, it's also about the amount of chemical, mm-hmm. uh, like hunger triggers. Right. So in that stomach pouch, there's a lot of... Um, chemical things happening that tell your brain you need to eat. Right. And when you take out that pouch, you take out that trigger to your brain that says you need to eat. Mm -hmm. And that's in many ways more important than the space in there. So you feel full, but you also don't get hungry. You don't get hungry. Does it take out the physical signal to eat or the emotional signal to eat? It takes out whatever's going to your brain. The physical to tell, signal. Yeah, mm-hmm, the physical signal. Yeah. You have to learn a lot of other coping skills and a lot of different, you know, and a lot of people become alcoholics. Right. And that's part of why I'm so careful with alcohol. Right. I, there's no place for alcohol to go in my body, you know, and sit before it goes to the liver. It goes straight to, you know, straight to your brain in a different way. But it also, you know... Your body's looking for how do I release those feelings right. that I used to get from eating, you know, yeah. and how do I get them now? And that's why a lot of people turn to alcohol because mm-hmm. it's something they can consume that still feeds those emotional yeah. triggers and the, those emotional signals. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had this surgery in 2016. And then a year later, I had a lot of skin removed. I had a tummy tuck. Oh, I didn't know that you had skin removal. Yes, I had skin removal. Um, I had a tummy tuck. Um, and if I wouldn't have had the tummy tuck, I would still look significantly different. Yes. It was a lot. You know, like the a skin lot, doesn't yeah. go away. Yeah, the skin doesn't go away. And it'll rebound in some ways, you know, but like your elasticity is, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a different situation. So, yeah, a year later, I had a tummy tuck. Um, and then a year after that, I had more um, fat and skin removed from my legs, and I had um, my breasts lifted. So I've had, like I've been under the knife a lot of time, and it's funny as a person who like really spent all of my life avoiding needles, <laughs> like a hundred percent, like having my children natural birth so that I didn't have to, uh, you know, have an IV. Like I don't, I don't care for that, you know. So, um, but. So it was a lot of things. Yeah. I just don't want people to think like that one day I just had the willpower to do this. Right. And it when I had the surgery, I did not talk about it for a long time. I didn't tell. Oh, I, really? I was not honest. Like even, you know, I, I didn't want people to. I, I had a very, it is my business and it is only my business, you know. And I like, I had a hard time accepting that I needed such an extreme measure Mm. To like, mm-hmm. I, I am a very, I have all the willpower in the world. I can do this by myself. I can do anything by myself. I will pull it up by my bootstraps, like we yep. were talking about earlier. You know, um, why don't you just bootstrap it? Right. Like, why didn't I just bootstrap it? Because guess what, Heather? I couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't. I couldn't. I needed every tool in this toolbox. And losing over 100 pounds, which I have lost over 100 pounds. Losing over 100 pounds is hard even with every tool in that toolbox, even with the surgery, yeah. even with the skin removal, even with all of those things. It's still, 
takes mindfulness every day to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. It still takes me knowing what my body can and cannot process. A lot of well, weight loss patients become lactose intolerant, mm -hmm. you know, so I have to know what I can have, what I can't have, what's going to make me sick. Um, you have to learn to eat differently. You eat the protein on your plate first. You take the best bite first. You don't <laughs> save the best bite for last, oh, yeah. which is a big, um, you know, common thing about growing up, you know, mm -hmm. it was always, ooh, save the best bite for last and clean your plate club and all that kind of stuff. You get a, You have to build a different relationship mm -hmm. with food. You have to build a different relationship with exercise. Mm -hmm. You have to build a different relationship with who you are and who you want to be. And I don't think that my physical health would be nearly as successful as it is if I hadn't put all the effort into my mental and emotional health too. I think the same thing um, is true with overcoming or living with an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. You know, because you you have to face that that head on, and it's it's very much a a mental, emotional, and physical thing. And you you, you do have to create a new way of living with food and a new way of of just kind of living in general. Yeah, and you know. You have you you have the same kind of mentality of I should be able to do this, but for some reason I can't, mm -hmm. and you know that's I, I see a lot of similarities there. I think it's similar with um, any kind of addiction too. Yeah. You know, like like with alcohol use, for example, a lot of people feel like it's unfair. It's unfair that I can't have a drink. The way that you can, like when I have a drink, I become a freaking psychopath who can't speak English anymore. And you get to have a drink and just have a drink and, you know, like you don't black out and you don't have to, you know, like it, there's a like a, an unfairness thing. But more so there's a why can't I manage this because I believe my, in my brain and I believe in, you know, in my own willpower and in my own, you know, like – and so I think that that's a lot for people to know that you have to overcome, that you have to get past. It. Like your physical health is never going to improve if you don't own the fact that you need help. Mm -hmm. If you don't own the fact that you can't do everything alone. Mm -hmm. And if you don't accept every tool that's available in your toolbox, mm -hmm. you know, for what it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really interesting story. And I know that, you know, I, I will coach um, people occasionally who are um, getting ready for uh, weight loss surgery or thinking about weight loss surgery. And it's really interesting to see the success rates between people who um, are prepared to, to deal with the emotional um, and the, 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 you know, the lifestyle change that it's going to be versus those who think it's going to solve their problems. Your problems are still there, regardless of the size of your body. Yeah, and that, that is absolutely a big, big thing. Your problems are still going to be there. I remember, like, as I went through, you have to go through, like, a counseling for mm -hmm. this. And first of all, I tried everything in the world before I got to surgery. I even did a med medically supervised program. It was a terrible program. I mm -hmm. do not recommend it to anyone. It limited you to... Um, it was either 800 or 1,000 calories a day. Oh, my gosh. And you were only allowed – it was only juice boxes. It was like little chocolate juice boxes, and you drank like five of them a day, and you did it for 12 weeks. And I actually ended up passing out several yeah, times. I I mean, it's very, very bad. And at the end of it, you gain a bunch of weight. Right. And you can't say that just because something's medically supervised that it's healthy or that it's smart no. because this was not – like I saw a doctor every week, and I sat through these sessions, and I did all this stuff – and I was doing something wildly unhealthy that I thought because doctors told me it was okay was not. Like, right. we have to be smart and make good decisions. But um, where was I headed with uh, <laughs> Don't you hate that? Don't you hate that? <laughs> you get so into what you're talking about that yes. you forget. Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about, like, you posted or you said, you know, I post this picture and, and people think that it's one way. And and really, let me tell you how it really was. You know, let me tell you what, what really happened. Yeah. And I see a parallel to those PPP loans. You know, it's like people see a company taking a bunch of money and they think it's one way. Well, let me tell you, you know, if you look at this company's bottom line, you look at this company's balance sheet, things aren't necessarily the way that you assume. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with, with, with those weight loss stories, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I think that, 
the emotional intelligence to be able to say, hey, you know, some people are able to do it this way. That didn't work for me. This is the way that I did it is is important. You know, and, and I know that sometimes with me being a health coach and being a small framed person and I enjoy exercise and I'm, I'm in you know decent shape that I think sometimes people think that, oh, you don't understand what it's like to be overweight. Well, guess what? <laughs> I've lost 55 pounds. Mm-hmm. I've overcome an eating disorder. I have. To, I live in a very regimented life that I have crafted because of how, because I understand what I need to be successful. And so, you know, there's a story behind everything like that. You know, it's interesting as you say that it makes me recall the very first time that we had lunch together. This is the conversation that we had. Really? We sat in the nukes. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this, and you talked about that you had overcome an eating disorder, and we talked about this. We this is kind of our we've gone full circle with our <laughs> life together. And I do remember what I was going to say oh. about the counseling process during yeah. um, during weight loss coaching. Like they go through with you all of the bad things that can happen to you, mm-hmm. and they tell you you might become an alcoholic. You know, <laughs> uh, you got a, like an 90 percent chance that you know alcohol is going to get a hold of you somehow. They also tell you that you're likely to get divorced. Oh, interesting. And I recall, as we went through that data, uh, looking at the coach and saying, I'm going to get divorced anyways. Like, I knew it was coming. Like, I already knew, Hmm. like, that, you know, like, I already knew that, and it was because I was really spending the time working through those emotional pieces, working through where I was mentally. Like, I knew that it that I wasn't going to make it in yeah. that, you know, like because I am very, very honest with myself. Yeah. And that is an important thing for us to do. Uh, now, I was not honest with myself about how I was like, oh, I'll be fine with alcohol. I like to drink. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, like, no, not so much. And I wasn't great with it before the surgery. And then after the surgery, it was worse, you know, definitely much worse, you know. And you got to be honest with yourself and you got to balls up and you got to say, you know what? I'm going to have to commit to living differently for the rest of my life if I make this decision for my health and for my well-being. You have to be willing to change absolutely everything. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Me too. Inside, outside, all over. Me too. 100% worth it. So we covered a lot of ground today. We went a lot of places. (laughs) We went a lot of places. We did. Don't forget your homework. Uh, I guess that uh, the homework is be gentle. Don't judge a book by its cover. That's what it really is, right? Don't yeah. judge a book by its cover. Um, spend a little time when you're on your jump to conclusions, Matt, not jumping to the conclusions. Yep. Maybe don't jump. That's the homework. Don't jump. Yeah. Look around. Look around. Get the whole picture. And your other homework is listen to Not Quite Therapy. It's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a riot. It's going to be something special. Awesome. And you'll get to hear more hot Brian voice. So it'll be great. Yay. And I guess until next time, Heather. Bye. Don't forget to tell them where to find us. Yeah, tell us what you learned. We're on all the things. For those of you looking to increase your dosage, connect with Chrissy and Heather on Facebook and Instagram and tell us how you do life. Visit ChrissyandHeather.com. That's with a C-H-R-Y-S-S-Y. Like, share, and subscribe. And tell everyone you know. Until next time. Bye.